Hi smooches. I am so nervous to upload this episode because I'm afraid that I hate something a lot of you probably love. Meg and I recapped the classic romantic comedy You've Got Mail and it made me mad. If you love this movie, please, please, I beg for your forgiveness. We still love you. Hi, Meg. Hi, Liz. I received I mean, um, a text from you at around 11 last night. Yes. What did it say? It said, Meg, I hated this movie. <laughs> I need you to be, <laughs> to quote every TikTok I've loved recently, so fucking ferociously, expeditiously for real with me right now. Okay. Do people like this movie? People do like this movie. Um, and I have fond feelings about it, but yeah, every re every rewatch is more and more damning. <laughs> it's okay, pretty so, fucking bad. So I think that it's fair to say that I am the Paula Abdul of this podcast and you're the Simon Cowell. <laughs> is that fair to say? God, I mean I hate being compared to Simon Cowell. Have you seen the man's boot cut jeans <laughs> no i have not but this is a throwback reference this is yeah, like time sure. capsule paula abdul simon sure. cow is that fair to say yeah i would i would say that's fair i fucking hated this movie start <laughs> to end afterward i was literally laughing so hard i was crying from how mad i was i threw myself on the floor no i threw a tantrum <laughs> <laughs> um at the end of it when tom hanks after all the gaslighting and manipulating and um emotional terrorism and mm-hmm. financial domineering that he had done to this woman when he shows up at the park yeah to see my Ryan, my husband said the only right thing for her to do in this situation is stab him. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing else that can be done. He's not wrong. (laughs) And then like the fact that on top of that, so even when I was, I I did not find the movie problematic when, you know, when I was very young, but even then when she says, I wanted it to be you, I wanted it to be you so badly. I was, I was like, like, bitch, did you? No, like, you how did would not. you how would you have even conceptualized that? You know, it's just <laughs> so um I'm gonna put some articles in the chat uh, okay. that we can share in the show notes. And I don't know, do we need to do a synopsis? I can do a really short one. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, so so it is the optimistic when did this come out <laughs> 1998 the optimistic 19 late 1990s the internet is fresh and people are having all these hopes that it's gonna be this great medium for human connection and i just want to do a little time travel forward in time to the current state of twitter to show how naive <laughs> that was <laughs> 
Actually, I'm feeling more hopeful about Twitter because of the pranks that have happened this week. Pranks slash activism. I feel like what Greg Kinnear's character in this movie said is still applicable. Except like, he said something in the beginning about how this stuff is going to ruin our lives. Didn't he say something to that effect? Yeah. And so the first article I sent you, it's the Atlantic article. It says the major flaw of You've Got Mail is Joe F-O-X. <laughs> There's a line <laughs> that says uh, Kathleen's cast off boyfriend, Frank Navasky, he's Greg Kinnear, the Luddite obsessed quasi intellectual who loves Heidegger and typewriters is in fact the most prescient character in the movie. He's the only one here who seems rightly suspicious of the internet's alleged yeah. wonders. Um, perfect. Love that. Mm-hmm. But that's not the tone of the movie. Ultimately, that's not what they decided to uh, go with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said that um, capitalism is great. Uh, it's tough on some people, but ultimately it's for the greater good. And so is the internet. And you can gaslight women however you like, because it's yeah. for their own good. <laughs> and <laughs> she's, she's going to be fine because she's writing a children's book mm-hmm. and we all know that writing a children's book is enough to get you set for life yeah right to pay all your bills on your new york brownstone apartment yeah and the people who lost their jobs at her bookstore as a result including that elderly uh queer woman because i read her as a queer character yeah i love be you. fine i loved you texting me about that being like why does she have uh kathleen kelly's mother cecilia kelly's picture in her locket around her neck seems fruity yeah i i I saw gay and i said gay (laughs) okay all right i'm gonna do a real synopsis now so we have kathleen kelly she's um the owner of Shop Around the Corner Children's Bookstore, described as aggressively charming. She inherited it from her mother, Cecilia Kelly. Moving in right across the street in New York is the latest big box location of Fox and Son Books, mm-hmm. which is sort of like your, um, I guess like a, a Borders or a, at the time or like a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. And um how funny that now it's like go to Barnes and Noble and save the big box chain store from Amazon. I know. So I want to point out another article that I just sent you. It's from The Onion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the third one I sent. It says Fox Books files for bankruptcy. <laughs> and it's talking about them being run out of business by Amazon. <laughs> so anyway, just the hellscape that we're in. Um, so yeah, Kathleen comes face to face with joe fox who's the third generation owner ish of this um, international book chain i guess or at least Mm -hmm. national book chain they get off on they get like personal pleasure from driving indie bookstores out of business Mm -hmm. they're like another one bites the dust and they're Uh, also for some reason always at this new new york location which is what which is what corporate fat cats are known for the personal touch of being at just one location on the ground right they're brought into contact with each other with um sort of explosive results every time 
Um, but meanwhile, both of them are corresponding with um, someone that they met online in the chat room for the over 30s. And it's become this thing that's been really meaningful for them. And it's like quasi romantic. They they call each other dear friend, but it's becoming more and more like meaningful for both of them. But they're very careful to not share identifiable information about their lives. Um, when they finally decide to meet, it's because she has asked him over the Internet for business advice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm really great at business. <laughs> Let me tell you. So then when they go to meet up, he discovers that it is Kathleen Kelly that he's been corresponding with online. She does not have any way of knowing this. And he uses that information for the rest of the movie to really manipulate her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're meant to believe that he uses that information to try to reconcile like this truer self that he's showing in his online persona with his in-person self who can be Mr. Nasty, as mm-hmm. Tom Hanks says. Um, but really, it's him leveraging information that he knows about her on both sides. Um, he successfully runs her out of business. And from after that point, starts trying to woo her into friendship and mm-hmm. like runs into her everywhere while he's still messaging her as NY152. And they're hanging out more and more and getting along. She's going to be writing a children's book after she took some time off after her mother's shop closed, which she describes as like something that can never be made right. Mm-hmm um they're hanging out more and more she goes and gets lunch with him in person and she's like i'm gonna meet up with this online guy this afternoon he's like oh it could be anybody it could be that guy it could be that guy and she goes to meet him and lo and behold it's joe fox and he's like don't cry shop girl and she's like i wanted it to be you and then they share a passionate embrace and we are meant to believe that they are going to be together. Would you say that is a fair description? No. <laughs> I would not say that's a fair description. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's circle back. Okay. Let's go back to the fact that they are both in relationships. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh Meg Ryan's character, Kathleen, she is basically living with her boyfriend, Greg Kinnear. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not in the sense of it's New York and people shack up really quickly because of how unaffordable the rent is, which is a real life trend. This Mm -hmm. is two implausibly well-off people Mm -hmm. living in implausibly lavish places in new york city Mm -hmm. and basically living together means he's sleeping over every night but at the end of the movie we see that seemingly the only possession of his that is in that apartment other than the clothes currently on his body are his is his electric typewriter Mm -hmm. so i would not say that they are basically living together but that is her perception of their relationship yeah yeah. And at, and she very clearly is not 
conversing with NY152 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in an innocent manner because she very secretive. They both yeah. are. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she double checks that he's gone and she waits a beat and then she like scurries to her laptop like a little deceptive mouse. <laughs> and then they chat and she talks to her co-workers about it in a way that's like, you know, I have a I have a sexy secret. I'm a woman of scandal. No, it's really funny because she's like I forget what the younger woman who works at the shop's name is, but she's no like, idea. She's like, "What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Like, you're acting funny. You're in love, aren't you?" And she's like, "No, no, no, I'm not in love. I mean, yes, I'm in love with my boyfriend." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, on his end. He, he has, is living with someone. He is living with someone in her apartment, and she is a publisher. And we're meant to believe that she's like kind of ruthless. I love her. She wasn't bad until like right at the end, like in the elevator, and when she was congratulating him for destroying this lady's business, and was like, "Well, I'm gonna swoop her up as an editor because she has excellent taste," which actually is like the best case scenario like yeah that would have been a great job for her yeah and I know I that she wasn't like offering her that job for altruistic reasons but she was still offering her like a cush position also like yeah maybe she was a little too gleeful about that yeah. place being run on a business however he's been gleeful about it every single other time so Mm -hmm. like why wouldn't she think that would be well received and also she was showing she was holding up a mirror to him Mm -hmm. she's like i like how you conveniently forgotten that you have anything to do with her present situation yes and let's talk about the environment that joe is steeped in Mm -hmm. so Which, which we're meant to believe is like an excuse for his bad behavior yes but the fact that it's an excuse for his bad behavior and the way that we see even at the very end him schmoozing with his dad after his like sixth wife has left six almost wife has left mm-hmm. um shows that like he doesn't see anything wrong with his family's behavior mm-hmm. and makes me think that he would think that that pattern is acceptable yeah yeah. So we see these two children and we think that maybe they're his children, but no, the one who's like, I don't know, like nine, 10, 11. The girl looks like the girl. Mm-hmm. She is his aunt. Yes. Yeah. His grandfather's daughter. Yes. And the young boy who's got to be like between three and five mm-hmm. is his brother. Yes. Because he is his we are father's son. An American family. Yes. Uh so and this is completely normal to him, and he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. And like at some point, like, yeah, you would have to laugh that you had an aunt that was a third of your age because mm-hmm. your grandfather is a dirty old man. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I don't see him breaking out of that dirty old man pattern. Yeah, his family has established so but we're meant to think that this is romantic because 
Kathleen is going to do the emotional labor of turning him into a better person. Mm-hmm. This fully adult man. Like mm-hmm. she's she's supposed to bring her goodness to bear and do the work of like re-raising him. Mm-hmm. Basically. Now I want to say that one of my critiques of this movie is that I did not find anything in their emails to be so passionate and so inspiring and so like indicative of their deep connection and compatibility. Mm. I found their chemistry in person to be a lot more convincing, mm-hmm. even when they despised each other. But I, I just, I did not think that they were, there was nothing that sold me on their compatibility. Yeah. I know that we're meant to think that we're only seeing a few of their email exchanges, but it seems like if we're going to see a few, they should be like the ones that really pack a punch. Yeah. Especially when the movie is, you've got mail. Yeah. So that should be the epistolary aspect should be the highlight and it should be above reproach. Yeah. Like, yes, these emails are swoon worthy. I would also cheat on Greg Kinnear if I were her. <laughs> I mean, Greg Kinnear is annoying in it. He is. He is. And, He's still Greg Kinnear. And uh when he goes on that TV show. Yeah. And he's like <laughs> They're like he's like openly flirting with the host. And he's she about to open- hump her leg, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like sweating and tears. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like not great behavior. But nevertheless, I have always found it insane how they like are out to dinner together. They break up with each other amicably, but it's so amicable that they're like already talking about, oh well, who are you gonna get with? And it's like they have no feelings about the situation at all like they're sociopaths yeah they go from seeming like a very compatible connected couple Mm -hmm. to like oh psych like we really like the whole time have just been biding our time yeah like even when he even when they're watching this interview and she's like she's flirting with you and you're flirting with her he's like I really slobbered all over her didn't I ha 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 yeah <laughs> I think there's something there <laughs> um so I know that we've already touched on this a little bit but just like it's so offensive that last line from her where she says I wanted it to be you and that is insulting to our intelligence yes (laughs) as as watchers on a lot of levels and it's also just like woefully inadequate as a line it has a a big job to do Mm -hmm. of making us understand that she has connected the dots and is okay with how he has handled it yeah and in fact happy about it and i want to talk about the so this You've Got Mail is a remake of a 1940 movie. Oh. Called The Shop Around the Corner. Okay. Um, which was also made into a musical in 1949 starring Judy Garland. And it's set in Chicago. But The Shop Around the Corner is based on a play that was even older. Um, set in Budapest. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. And, yeah. 
starring Margaret Sullivan and Jimmy Stewart. And the there are some parts of this movie, I watched it this week, that especially the cafe scene that are beat for beat, basically mm. the same between the two movies, which is kind of remarkable. But the deal is that they have been corresponding. They they met through a newspaper ad. They've been cor- corresponding via letter. And um, they and they happen to be coworkers at the same shop mm-hmm. who do not get along. And uh, the same exact situation where she has a, uh, I think it's a carnation in a book at the cafe. He finds out the same way. His friend is like, looking through the window for him and saying she's got the same coloring as this other (laughs) girl um and the line he does a a very similar maybe possibly more egregious like gaslighting move trying to make her question this pen pal of hers Mm -hmm. when he finally reveals that it's him and that he wants to marry her she is like verklempt and he's like what do you think or how do you feel or something like that and she was like psychologically i feel very confused personally i don't feel bad at all so that is the same line that's supposed to Mm -hmm. do all of the work and they're both equally unsatisfying because there is not a satisfying way to make that leap yeah because any self-respecting woman would not accept this she would have so many questions she would be like when did you know yeah clearly it must have been at least the cafe but Uh possibly earlier than that you know uh why didn't you tell me Mm -hmm. what was your end game and not telling me and in casting doubt on this online or epistolary relationship yeah while trying to get close to me physically and not changing anything about your business plans to get me out of business in this one not in the Mm -hmm. 1940s one yeah and i don't know so so especially on this rewatch i was thinking a lot about that olivia dade uh book spoiler Mm -hmm. alert yes similar where they have met through fan fiction and he finds out that she's the one he's been corresponding with Mm -hmm. i i'm wondering if this story would even remotely work with a gender swap because i don't know that a woman (laughs) Mm -hmm. a woman would not just like communicate (laughs) what she has found out and see how you can work out the relationship from there now make sure making sure you both have all the information like it's something about like the man character to be this like subversive and manipulative Mm -hmm. um the other thing that i find really really horribly egregious is that we're supposed to think that Joe Fox is charming or likable in mm-hmm. some way, especially at the grocery store. I think it's Zavar's, where uh, Sarah Ramirez, mm-hmm. who plays JDS, and, and just like that, they and, did her so fucking dirty with those eyebrows. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So. Kathleen Kelly has gotten into a cash only line at the grocery. Mm-hmm. Everyone behind her is rightfully pissed that they're going to have to wait now for her to 
get her shit together and go to a different line or wait for her to have her credit card run the old school Mm -hmm. way where it would be like you know they have to do the carbon copy thing Mm -hmm. um joe fox comes over and he's like basically just being a condescending douche to everyone Mm -hmm. and somehow this charms sarah ramirez Mm -hmm. into going ahead and running her credit card and then when kathleen is like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry she like gives her this dirty look did that make any sense to you at all or did you just want to like your husband said stab (laughs) so what i am seeing and you tell me if i'm being sensitive meg you tell me if i'm making everything about race um i see them bonding over bullying a latino woman (laughs) Oh my god! Uh huh. I see. Eric was like, "This is such boomer behavior." What they're oh, showing absolutely. right now, like, and also, I don't believe for a second that Joe does not have the cash in his wallet, correct, to just pay for her above her protest because we know he doesn't care about her feelings anyway. Oh, correct. He shows that a million times. Yes. Yeah. So pull the money out. Yeah. Pay. Hmm. And then use that to manipulate the woman to be like, well, now you owe me dinner or something. So you have to go with me to dinner. Why? Why? I could have got, it's just another one of those scenes in this movie, which is like, when I saw the runtime, I was very (laughs) surprised because I went in thinking 1998, it's going to be a short little movie. Like we can watch it after we run all our errands. It's fine. Yeah. So I started this movie pretty late for me and I'm like it's a two hour movie okay interesting yeah and then I said to you tell me what rom-com in 1998 needs two hours to do what it has to do not this one that's correct not this one but I do think just to go back to what you were saying before this is not related to the runtime, but I do want to discuss more the element of race in this. Yes, sure. Um, yeah, that grocery store situation was gross. Mm-hmm. We have Dave Chappelle cast as his cardboard cutout of a friend slash mm-hmm. business partner. Yeah. Um, are there any other non-white people in this movie? I can't think of a single solitary soul. So what Ben was telling me was that there apparently there's been interviews with Dave Chappelle about his role in this movie. And the deal was that he had been offered or auditioned um, for a role in Forrest Gump as Mm. Bubba and passed on it and regretted it so much that he vowed to take whatever other opportunity came along to work with Tom Hanks. And that Mm -hmm. happened to be this one. And what, what a, a a sham! Like this was just—he was not even really a character, and yet was somehow the most likable character in this movie, for sure. What one of one of the few characters yeah. is like? There's nothing objectionable to me about you, really. Yeah, but he also just like has no depth. We don't know yeah. anything about him except that for some reason he likes Joe Fox, yeah. which is kind of a damning fact <laughs> yes i did love the amount of fuckboy self-awareness that he showed when he said like look you're just like going to this meeting her you're just taking the relationship to the next <laughs> level that's all you do 
you take a relation. That's how relationships work. You go to the next level and then you go to the next level and then you go, I go to as many levels as I can before I realize I have no choice but to leave. <laughs> and I, I respect that. <laughs> respect that to an extent. Yeah. Because really like that is, that's honestly how relationships are. You like take things as far as you can before you realize like it's not going to work or it is going to work. Mm-hmm. And he was saying yeah. it to be kind of like a douchey guy, but yeah. it was a lot more honest than like Joe thinks he's a good guy, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. definitely a piece of shit. Yeah. And Joe was like, when he sees that it's Kathleen at the mm-hmm. cafe. He's like, okay, well, I'm leaving. I'll see you tomorrow. And Dave Chabelle's character is like, you're just going to leave her to sit there? Mm-hmm. Like, he's appalled. Yeah. And I don't know that if he hadn't said that, that Joe would have turned around and come back to the cafe. He might have mm-hmm. just fucked off, which was probably the better option. Because then he just yeah. goes in and belittles and humiliates Mm-hmm. Kathleen who he knows is in a vulnerable position in multiple yeah. ways do you have more that you want to talk about with this movie specifically because what I'd like to get into if you're down is like if this were to be remade as a movie that we don't hate now yeah I guess the only other thing that I want to say is that I think that the movie worked at the time because it was part of a direct lineage of 90s Mm rom-coms and playing on the previous movies that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have been cast opposite each other Mm -hmm. and I think hoping that that like zeitgeist translated like especially from Sleepless in Seattle where his character is very sympathetic Mm -hmm. hoping that maybe some of that goodwill transfers to this new character yeah and when it's when it's decontextualized from 1998, it's like how 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 has this become like a cultural touchstone? Yeah, I remember when we had Aisha on and we recapped Love and Sex, which was one of my favorite formative mm-hmm. movies. And you two were pretty appalled and felt yeah. like this movie does not hold up. And I was like, yeah, I can see that, but I feel like I still. Like, I get what they were going for at the time, and it still resonates to an extent with me, even if some of it is cringe. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't find anything redeeming in that one. I didn't find it charming. I didn't find it well-acted, or found, I didn't find the dialogue compelling. Mm. I just... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I maybe it's because I've watched it since I was a kid. I do still enjoy it to an extent, even though I recognize that it's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I do kind of find things about it charming. I love the bookstore. Mm-hmm. I love the corny ass music. I love this like particular warm, fuzzy depiction of New York. Yeah. Um, I love the experience of hating this movie. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, I also want to point out that if if listeners, if any of you all have watched this movie a billion times and have noticed this, every time we see Tom Hanks' hands in this movie, 
he appears to have clear nail polish on his fingernails are so glossy so when they're like, like a rosy tint <laughs> did you notice them mm-hmm. when he's like holding her mouth closed which is another problem but um while she's sick yeah <laughs> <laughs> while so, like, he dr- let himself into her apartment building to catch her, her germs wishes. and spread them all over new york city <laughs> I just want to see if anyone else has noticed his fucking weird fingernails. I definitely noticed. And and in that moment, I was like, remove your hand from that woman's mouth. <laughs> and she looks like she is about to come in her pants <laughs> at that moment. So, mm, <laughs> yeah, you said that you knew who my favorite character in this movie would be. I yeah. think that you think it's probably the long-haired bookshop guy or Birdie. Which oh, no. I thought it was going to be Parker Posey. Okay. I do Patricia like Parker makes Posey. coffee nervous. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I fucking love her so much. Yeah. And how she like... <laughs> Frank Navasky is at the party where Joe Fox has just like taken all mm-hmm. the caviar. He's like, how do you sleep at night? And she pops in and she's like, this great over-the-counter job called Ultra Dorm. You take half <laughs> of a pill and you wake up without the tiniest little bit of a hangover. I was yes. like, you are amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so I I did really like her up until the very end in the elevator scene where she yeah. revealed herself to be kind of an asshole. But you know, mm-hmm. he was an asshole. So they were very compatible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want to talk about how we would redo it? Yes. To make it less oh, of a garbage fire. One last thing I want to mention. Sure. Kevin Feige was an assistant to a producer on this movie. Kevin Feige. Is. Daddy? You don't know Daddy? No, I don't know Daddy. Kevin Feige, he is the head honcho of he's the president of Marvel Studios. He is oh. the man behind the curtain. He pulls all the strings. He has the master plan. Yeah. So (laughs) I found that very funny. I just happened to glance at the credits at the perfect time. And I'm like, that Kevin Feige? (laughs) And then confirmed it. So, okay. So So I just Googled his name. And then it said, people also ask, who is the mastermind behind the MCU? (laughs) Yes, it's Kevin Feige. Mm -hmm. Just the word mastermind. Wowie. I don't see that enough in the news. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So if I were to redo this today, instead of it being an email exchange and then meeting in a chat room, I would have them meet in a Discord server. Okay. About what topic? I'm not sure. But they would both be like faceless avatars on this Discord server. Okay. And... They'd have these great conversations. And in real life, I would say that neither of them has a partner, but each of them is looking. Okay. You know, so then we would see like the experience of Tinder dating in Mm. a big city and what a trash fire that is. And meanwhile, I would have them know each other IRL, but I'm not 100% sure in what context. It would still be an enemies to lovers arc, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have the male lead finding out? If 
if I did have the male lead finding out, it would be much, much later. And I would make the comedy of the movie how stupid they are for not picking up on. That it's each other. Yeah. Mm. And I would maybe take the things that they find so charming about each other online to be the things that they don't like about each other in person. Like, Mm. oh, this person likes this like terrible movie. And I find that so charming and endearing. And then they hear from the IRL person how much they like and it's like of course you fucking would you're so gross <laughs> okay so then how would you have it play out mm. that they find out who the other is and still move in the direction of ending up together I think that it might be uh like you catch a quick glance at someone's phone and that's how you find out. And then one of them does a deep dive into it. And maybe, like, they try to tell the other person. They try to, like, break it to them gently. Or they try to, like, figure out, like, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I clearly haven't thought out this scenario too much. I like the idea of someone finding out by seeing, like, a notification mm-hmm. on the phone. And then maybe, like sending another message to see if like another notification will pop up and then they like they're like what you they find out that Mm -hmm. it's each other and they're like okay well maybe i guess we should go hang out Mm -hmm. and they're both like totally flabbergasted that they would have so much in common online and have such like a Mm. horrible stilted time in person yeah but then something would have to happen to knock both of them a little off center or like maybe make some defenses come down mm-hmm. and that's when they start to like meld their internet and real life they they can see how those lock together in each other yeah so maybe they match on tinder and that's Ooh. how the irl Ooh. component comes in and they yeah. like have great chemistry so they sleep together and then they go it's like i think of the morning after knocked up where they go to breakfast and clearly they have nothing in common it's like oh Mm -hmm. god like this was a mistake but Mm -hmm. the sex was really good in this scenario so like they keep looking for other options and they're like everyone sucks so they keep ending up together in like almost a hate sex situation Mm -hmm. hate sex booty call situation while still talking to this other person and Mm -hmm. then slowly finding out this other person is in the same city as them because a thing that I have experienced in some discord servers is that you're not supposed to tell your location or identifying details much like in this movie and it really Mm -hmm. depends on the type of community the discord that I'm active in right now we all kind of know where the other person is it's not like a secret some people have like met in real life and this is like a very fandom centric discord server Mm -hmm. um people text offline all the time um so it really depends on the type of community and they could just like be building this friendship online and start getting identifying information that they start that that tends to that turns out to be really specific to the person that they're having hate sex with. Yeah. 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 And maybe they both figure it out at the same time, but they think like, no, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's like a weird thing that would happen in a movie. Uh-huh. So they're both like 
simultaneously trying to figure it out, but maybe throw the other person off. Uh-huh. And things just get very strange and awkward and you could have shenanigans. Yeah. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm really good at thinking up a setup, but then like a big like third act breakup and then the resolution is hard for me. Mm. I kind of always have to like write it out to that point and figure it out. Yeah. So, well, okay. So what in You've Got Mail, what is the like third act breakup? There really isn't one. If anything, Mm -hmm. it's a third act get together Mm -hmm. where she's lost everything and then he makes his move when she's most vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. How would that work in this? Like, are we having them figure out that it's each other and then be trying to make it work? And then one of them is like spooked by the situation and withdraws and hurts the other person's feelings. Yeah, that's very possible. But then how does the reconciliation happen? Hmm. I mean, it'd be easy to go the grand gesture route via some kind of discord thing. But I don't love a grand gesture. I don't either. I think it's a band-aid for deeper relationship problems. (laughs) Maybe the thing is that, like, there's one of them who suspects and then thinks, oh, no, that's not. I was wrong actually and it couldn't Mm. possibly be this person maybe someone pulls away maybe someone meets someone else Mm. and tells the online person like oh so this is going on and they have a breaking point where they either have to like maybe they shut down temporarily but Mm -hmm. then realize like no like my life is empty and meaningless without this person so I need to (laughs) confess everything to them yeah that's the best I can come up with at 10 a.m on a Sunday (laughs) (laughs) I dig it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for watching this movie that you hated. <laughs> You're welcome. I thought I was, I went in with it assuming that I was going to love it. I really did. Wow. Okay. Because I thought this is a classic. I'm sure that I've seen it at some point and just don't remember all the details. So, so had you seen it? Um. Now I'm thinking that I might have just seen bits and pieces of it. Okay. Have you seen Sleepless in Seattle? No. God, now I want to make you watch that one and see what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Who is in that one? That's Tom Hanks and is it Meg Ryan again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is a, a predates You've Got Mail. And it's similarly sort of epistolary mm-hmm. with like them only really getting together at the very end. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of problems <laughs> with that movie, too. Yeah. So now I just want to know what you think. Yeah, you maybe. <laughs> Give yourself a little time to recover from You've Got Mail. Maybe. Before you consider watching Sleepless in Seattle. So for our holiday episodes, we are definitely doing the Lindsay Lohan movie with Courtney. Yes. She's already watched it. She enjoyed it a lot. We're going to do the Delhi Hallmark movie. Hanukkah on Rye. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a book, mm-hmm. Kiss Her Once for Me. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe for the last episode, December might be one of those weird five Tuesday weeks. Let me look. 
oh no, November is a five Tuesday month. December is a five Friday month. Okay, so maybe we could do our uh, make out already wrapped again. Mm, okay. So that sounds fun. Cool. So uh, yeah, I am so relieved that I didn't have to come on here and like tell you I hated something that you loved and held in the highest regard which I really thought what was going that was what was going to happen and I was like how am I gonna like tell her that (laughs) this was one of the top five worst experiences of my life (laughs) I mean I don't hate it as much as you but I see I'm not blind to the problems yeah so I totally get it plus I think it's great when you dislike something more than me (laughs) it it's an interesting position to be in for me. <laughs> so, like, I will say that Meg Ryan was very pretty in this. I don't and think that Meg Ryan is that cute. I mean, hmm, she's not my type, but, you know, I see it. I see why she was the the it girl mm-hmm. of the 90s, you know. What about her hair in this? That's the real star of the... It's very blonde Sculpted. and shiny, and I like that, but the shape wasn't doing it for me. The shape is really weird, and it is very helmet-like. Mm-hmm. And that's that's her signature look, so that's the hair I think of when I think of Meg Ryan. You do? Okay. And there was a cute dog in this movie. Frankly, But yeah. not enough of the cute dog, so yeah. those are things that I appreciate about it. All right, I'm glad you could come up with a few. Okay. Um, listen, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, please forgive me if this is a movie that you love. <laughs> Just, you know, let let me have this one thing I hate, and don't hate me for Take it. Take it. Take it. <laughs> please don't leave us. <laughs> Just you know, like we'll we'll go back to agreeing on things. <laughs> at a later date <laughs> but like if you are a you've got male stand <laughs> um no it's it wasn't it for me i want to set it on fire <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um thank you for listening i'm gonna go wash my hair now <laughs> i need it i was definitely like saying where's the palo santo last night while I was throwing a tantrum on the floor um I I suggest you do the same if this episode hurt your feelings just go take a shower light some palo santo take some deep breaths um make yourself a cocktail if you are so inclined make yourself a glass of chocolate milk if you are so inclined do what you need to do get right with your god um I'm I don't think I'm right with mine. After <laughs> so uh, we'll put all our socials and the links to the articles that Meg sent in the show notes. So until next time, air kisses. <laughs>